Jonah doesn't lend itself to Mother's Day, so there you go. Uh, We're still in Jonah, and uh, the first chapter, verses 4 through 16, and um, taking a look at this prophet, and so um, hear God's word. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. You get the cynicism in his voice a little bit? Perhaps your God will, you know, spare us a thought. The sailors said to one another, Come, let us cast lots so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I can imagine they went, oh, okay, that's it. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were even more afraid and said to to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Not sure who the he is in that sentence whether it's God had told them or Jonah had slipped up and told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. I think it's fascinating that they, at first, they'd look at Jonah and go, no, we'll still work at this. We'll give you a second chance. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done it done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And they made vows. Everywhere Jonah turns, people turn to God, except Jonah. Pray with me. God, may we learn a little bit about living with our discomfort. May we learn the lessons you've been teaching us throughout the years in uncomfortable settings. And even now, God, we pray that you would move us beyond our comfort zone to where you call us, to where you are. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Just as a preface, very often I think that, that we hurry to escape our discomfort. We're in a rush. Um, to, we're in a rush to get away from the feelings we don't like, our dis-ease with something. It, and whatever it is that creates that anxiety or anger or disorientation or frustration, we want to get far away from it. In that sense, we're not unlike Jonah. What created discomfort in Jonah was the fact he was going to have to confront his enemies with a message he knew that was going to kill him. And, and he flees from that discomfort, his dis-ease. He flees from the very thing God wants him to learn from. We run away from these things without learning the lessons. My spiritual director would would talk about um, in my life that there are times of desolation and times of consolation. Desolation are those times when you can't see light at the end of the tunnel, when literally you don't have a sense of hope that every turn you make seems to have um, darkness at the end and you don't know what to do. And in spiritual direction, Wilkie would say, Craig, when that happens, you need to sit still. Don't be anxious. Don't be in a rush to leave your discomfort. Stay and learn the lessons of that time. Learn the lessons of not knowing what to do next. Wait. He said, there will come a time when there will be a glimmer of hope, there will be a bit of light, there will be something, and then you go towards that. Because God is giving you a sense of grace, something to go after. And, and until you have that, stay put. We don't like that. It goes against our, the fabric of who we are. After all, we're Americans. We know how to solve problems. We're good at this. And I can solve the problem of my life, doggone it. And I don't need a lot of help. God helps those who help themselves, somebody said. I don't think it's in the Bible. So, Jonah's doing that escape just to remind you from all of this discomfort. And he finds himself in verse 4. It says, The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. It took me a long time uh, to figure out that, that real waves created in, in a storm are created by wind. That great surf that we get that can travel thousands of miles one of the things that, that creates it is wind. And so great storms out in the ocean, uh, these waves can pick up speed and travel at great distances. Earthquakes can create waves as well and tsunamis, but they, they um, tend not to be the sustained uh, height that we enjoy when we go down to the beach and watch or jump in. And uh, Jonah's actions, his running away from God, 
is the cause of this storm. It's responsible for the predicament that the sailors and Jonah find themselves in. Everybody on this boat is in this storm because of Jonah and Jonah's actions. Now, it's probably good to note that all not, not all storms in our lives are a result of our actions. They're not all things that we create. Um, it's a little bit like suffering in general. There are, are some things that are, are natural things that cause suffering. There are natural things that cause storms in our life that are upheavals, that, that just change everything and throw us into chaos. Remember, that's how the sea is viewed in the Old Testament and even in the New, that, that the sea is the source of chaos. And that when we remember that God is hovering over the chaos, he's hovering over the waters, and he brings order out of the chaos and creation. Keep that in the back of your minds whenever you see this story, hear this story or see it. So it's the source of chaos. But not all storms are things that we are responsible for. Apart from the initial and continual rebellion against God's ways by all human beings, COVID was not created by our actions. Nor is it God's judgment on humanity. It's part of the perils of being alive in our world. I'm reminded that in this story, God is in the storm with Jonah and the sailors. In fact, eventually they'll cry out to him, right? God is in the storm with Jonah. He's not outside just whipping up the wind. God's in the middle of it. I'm reminded of the story of Jesus. Remember the disciples get in the boat and they, they cast off. Jesus sends them on ahead to, to, to the other side of the sea. And, and uh, after he's prayed for some time and the crowds have all disappeared, he uh, has been alone for some time and he decides to go out and meet his, uh, his disciples. And he walks out onto the water. Remember? And, um, and the wind has come up and it's and it's frightful, and Jesus gets into the boat with them. At this moment, the storm, the wind is still raging. And then Jesus, in the boat with the disciples, speaks a word, and the storm calms. I take great comfort in that, that God is not distant, God is not outside my circumstance, our circumstances. God's with us closer than we can imagine and is riding out the storm with us and will speak a word of calm. I remember in 2004, do you, do you remember the tsunami that hit Indonesia in 2004? My goodness. It swept over a whole country and kept going to other countries. It made its way to East India and still did damage there. This remarkable um, mountain of water that just moved. More than 230,000 people were killed by that tsunami in that storm. 
I remember reading in the LA Times, there was an article, they decided to uh, um, ask religious leaders from all different religious perspectives, why? Could they answer the question, why did this happen? And, and all these different people from all these different faiths had a reason why. They had a reason that we were, um, we were bad people and this was judgment on us. They had this reason and that reason. They had all kinds of reasons why. And then the person or persons they, they chose to speak from our Christian faith said this, and it's always stuck with me and it's why I'm sharing it with you. They said, we don't know why, but we know what to do. And I was just so relieved that they picked somebody to talk to that didn't believe it was God's judgment on us, that didn't have some story to weave, didn't conjecture, but said, we don't have an answer for you about the why, but we know what to do. We know that this requires compassion on our part and action. We need to be mobilized to serve, not speculate. God does intend to make good things come out of bad things. What's the song that we sing um, uh, by Gunger? Uh, beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of the dust. Such a lovely line, isn't it? That God makes beautiful things even out of the dust and the dirt. God makes beautiful things out of us. God wants to make good things happen even when it feels like all around us it's bad. So what do you do in the storm? The sailors got it right to some degree. Think about it. These people are not Israelites. They're not followers of the one God. They, they have no idea. They've all, uh, they probably travel with um, a little collection of their own gods, of their own religions. They probably have little figurines that they, they carry around and put out when the sea is calm. And they would create altars. They create little spaces of worship, perhaps near their birth or where they, they laid down to rest. But they got it right. They prayed to their gods. They prayed. They worked. They tossed everything overboard that wasn't necessary to lighten the ship that they might survive. And they inquired about what the problem was. They were diligent in trying to figure out the truth of what was happening. In contrast, in the storm, Jonah went down and took a nap. Now, that just feels really callous, doesn't it? Everyone on board was in peril, and Jonah was in denial. He was in denial of his own, his own contribution. He was in denial of the, the, the peril. He was in denial of what might happen to everybody else. He was only concerned with himself. Jacques Ellul is a, was a theologian, French philosopher, and um, he wrote this. When all the world is in danger... The person who flees from the word of God seals themselves off 
in their solitude, willing neither to see nor to hear anything of what others are doing. Hear that again. When all the world is in danger, the person who flees from the word of God seals themselves off in their solitude. That can take lots of theological forms, friends. It can show up in any of us. To be willing neither to see nor to hear anything of what others are doing. The person's destiny is no longer their destiny. No longer tied to what happens to others. We could have written this in 2021 with the death of George Floyd. We could have written this about COVID, about the politics of the last decade or more. We could say that the person who seals themselves off flees from the word of God in all that it has to say, seals us off in our solitude and rightness from the needs of others. From admitting we're connected to each other in the most profound ways. The word of God has always been clear that our destiny is is tied to the destinies of each other and of each and every person in the world. Our destiny is tied to each and every human being in the world. So what is the fate of others, whether we know it or not, affects our fate. And Jonah sleeps denying this connection. Don't sleep like Jonah. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, says that, that pain is God's megaphone to get our attention. God doesn't inflict the pain, but God, in our pain, wants us to turn towards God. God wants us to turn and face him. Jonah set out, and the title of the sermon is Unintended Consequences. And there are a whole bunch of them for Jonah. The intended consequence for Jonah was that he could escape God's eye, escape God's call, and he would be free to act on his own and not have to worry about all the stuff that God wanted him to do. He thought he could get far away. Boy, thought he could get far away from from God himself. If I could have timed it perfectly, I would have. But um, just a hair off. um, But that idea that that he could escape God's presence and get beyond, beyond God's watchful eye. He couldn't do it. And so what Jonah thought he was escaping, certain death in Nineveh catches up with him. 
And God's still there no matter where he goes. And there are consequences for running away. What he didn't see coming is what happened next in the story. The sailors identified the problem. They knew Jonah was running away from God. Whether Jonah slipped up or whether God spoke to them directly, we're not sure. But when confronted with two things, this is what happens. Jonah confesses it is his problem. It's important to note here, we may not have created the situation, but when we are made aware of it, it may be our problem. I may not have created something. I may not have been there in history when this thing happened. But now that I know about this, it may be my problem. It may be my responsibility. And Jonah uh, confesses it's his problem, this storm. And then he owns his part and he suffers the consequences. They toss him overboard. Now, at that point, Jonah, I'm sure, believes it's over. He will die. He will drown. It'll be done. For the sailors, the storm stops as he predicted. And one of the things that happens that's ironic is that Jonah stops running away. It's subtle. But Jonah is stopped in his journey. If we think about it, stopping going the other way is the first act of repentance. So repentance, remember, is this. It's, it can be the changing of one's mind. It can be the changing of one's direction. So if I repent, it means I'm going this way. And in Jonah's case, God's back there and I'm walking along here. And at some point, I have to stop moving away from God. And that's what happens to Jonah. The beginning of repentance. It begins by ending the direction we're headed. In, in Germany, when the wall came down in uh, 1989, um, the East Germans described what happened as, um, the, the German term is divenda, uh, and it means the turning. And the way they view the history of this is it had nothing to do with foreign governments being involved. It didn't have anything to do with, with um, the United States or this or that or the next thing. It was the turning of the people of the East. And they were turning away from the totalitarianism of the East German government. And what they would describe is when the wall came down, it wasn't as though everything was fine. It was the beginning of the turning. Or it was part of the turning. And the turning might go on for decades. It's not a moment. It's not just 
how fast it goes. Repentance isn't simply about getting it over with quickly. And all of a sudden I was going that way and now I'm going that way and everything's fine. No, it could take me a long time to turn and be in full view of what God wants to do to me and how God wants to speak to me. I might not fully face God till the end of my life. I might always have a little corner where I'm still looking out the corner of my eye at God. But someday I will turn and face. Jonah began by stopping his runaway from God's presence. Unbeknownst to Jonah, who believes his life has ended, it is the beginning of the reluctant journey back to the service of God who called him to life. And I am just reminded of what Jesus tells us. That whoever would lose their life for my sake and the gospel will find it. Whoever would stop and lose their life for my sake and the gospel will find it. What do you need to stop? How far away from your discomfort have you run? And are you willing to face it? You might think it's going to be the death of you. But I can tell you, like Jonah, it will be the beginning of a new life. Pray with me.